Last week we mentioned the teaching of Imam Ghazali Ta'ala on the meaning of taqwa. And just to remind ourselves briefly, he said that the first way that Allah SWT has used taqwa in Quran al-Kareem is to have fear and awe and reverence of Allah SWT. And the second was ita'at and ibadah, meaning obedience and worship. And the third was to free our heart from sins and impurities and for our heart to always be in the states and emotions that Allah Ta'ala wishes and commands and for our heart to be free and empty of the states and emotions that Allah Ta'ala dislikes and prohibits. What I want to do tonight is talk a bit more about the second aspect, which is obedience and worship. So obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, again, as I mentioned last time about taqwa, all of us know that we should obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of us want to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of us know that the fault in our deen will lie in any and every disobedience or sin that remains. But the question is how to motivate ourselves, how to inspire ourselves to perform more obedience. So this is something that Imam al-Ghazali has also talked about, as has Imam al-Haddad and many of the people who used to inspire and guide and help others to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let us begin first with the hadith. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased, or rather a person who is pleased by their good deeds and a person who is displeased with their bad deeds, that is a person who is a true mu'min. So what does this mean? It means that we derive pleasure from obedience and we are displeased with disobedience. So there's a secret here in this hadith that the secret to greater obedience is to find obedience to Allah Ta'ala pleasurable. And the way to leave disobedience is to have what is called karaha, repugnance, dislike, to have an aversion, to be displeased by sin. Now, much of the teachings of Tazkiyah are on these two topics. So trying to focus more on Salah is, yes, also as an act of dhikr to improve our remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's also about making Salah more pleasurable to us so that we pray more Salah, so that we pray it more regularly that we pray more sunnahs and extra rakats and that will increase our obedience. Yes, there are many ahadith that will tell us about the punishments for sin. Whether there be punishments in terms of Allah Taala's anger or whether there's punishments in terms of actual descriptions of what will happen in Jahannam to the person who did that sin. 
But the purpose of that isn't just knowledge. The purpose is to make our heart repelled, to make our heart turn away, to make our heart disgusted, to make our heart shamed, to make our heart fearful. And those feelings would overrule the pleasure a person finds in sin. So at one level, sin itself may be pleasurable. But when we focus on the fact that sin is disobedience and sin will make us distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sin may result in punishment in this life and or the next, then all of that is so displeasing to us that it overrules any temporary, fleeting, apparent, outward pleasure that we may perceive to lie in the commission of that sin. And the interesting thing is in the hadith Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said that that's who a mu'min is. So this is iman. This is iman. To find a'malu salih, good deeds, acts of virtue to be pleasing. And it's iman. To find evil deeds, foul deeds, sinful deeds, acts of disobedience to be displeasing in our heart. Now, we should always remember that ultimately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us from absolutely nothing. And, and this is a deep concept, absolutely nothingness, Adam. We were non-existent, we were nothing, we were unknown, we had no family, we had no friends. So when you think about the concept of nothingness, it's to negate everything that you value in your life. So if a person's educated, no, I was nothing, means I had no knowledge, I was ignorant, I didn't even exist, I had no being, I had no traits, I had no skills, I had no success, I had no accomplishments. My origin, my asal, my hakika, my reality is absolutely pure nothing. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of His own will, His irada, out of His own idhan, His permission out of his own amr, amr, his hukum, his command, out of his own love, his buddha, out of his own mercy, his rahmah, out of his own generous grace, his karam and fadl, he willed me to be, he willed me to be, his Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me existence. Then after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me that existence, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me all of these favors, bounties, blessings that I have. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me all of these things, whatever it is, it's education, it's family, it's skills, it's risk, it's earning, it's everything that I have. So why am I saying this? Sometimes to do shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to appreciate and to truly be grateful for all that is given to us, it's not enough to just look around your room and think, okay, what is in this room Allah has given me? Or just reflect, okay, in the past year what Allah has given me. No, you have to think from zero. That it's not discrete things, it's an absolute everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, you cannot enumerate the blessings and bounties and favors of your Lord upon you because they're not discreet. 
They're not, they cannot be, it's mutlaq, it's every single thing, your totality of your entire being and existence, your very life, your very reality, your very wujud, all of that is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, then think of another extreme. So one extreme is right, I came from nothing. Then think, second, that Allah gave me everything. Then think that in the Akhirah, because everything in this world is still finite. My life, all my health, family, everything in this world, all the blessings and bounties in this world are still finite, means limited. But then think that Allah Ta'ala in actually didn't bring me out of nothing bring me out of non-existence for the sake of this world Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought me out of nothing and non-existence for the sake of the next world for the sake of the akhirah for the sake of the hereafter for the sake of eternity and that same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who brought me out of nothing and gave me everything in this world Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants actually to give me everything in Akhirah for all of eternity. Allah Akbar. Everything in Akhirah for all of eternity. Sohbat Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam for eternity, for infinity. Bounties, blessings, favors for eternity, for infinity. Anything you thought about here, friends, family, uh, risk, food, all of that in Akhirah for eternity and infinity. So, and that's another meaning of that verse that you can never enumerate and count the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because even if you scientifically rationally think you could count every blessing in this world Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings are not confined to this world and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings are also about the next world which is limitless, endless, infinite and therefore innumerable. Then when we realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought me from nothing and wants to bring me into an eternal everything, then a person will not just be pleased, they will find they will find delight in obedience. They will find joy and bliss in obedience. They will find ecstasy in obedience. That is the level. So to be clear, maybe I, I'm using these stronger words so we understand. Maybe in English it's not clear, be pleased with obedience. It's much more than be pleased. It's surur, it's contentment, delight, joy, bliss, purpose, sense of being, sense of meaning. All of that has to lie in obedience. Then we will become obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if, if obedience doesn't have any of that, there's no pleasure, joy, bliss, delight. And obedience is just about compliance. Right? No doubt this is a term Sharia compliance, but it's just about compliance. You won't be able to take delight in it and join it. And that's why people who haven't realized fully their iman or haven't explored their uh, ta'luk, nisbah, their connection, relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it becomes difficult to just comply. And they can't do it. Even though they might miss a farad, they might miss a fajr, they might do a sin because they didn't understand they had to develop their feelings for deen, their feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the understanding of deen beyond just the concept of compliance and rules. They had to make it a joy, a passion, a mission, the very sense of purpose of their life. And just like that, similarly, symmetrically, is how a person should view disobedience. 
that if I'm disobeying Allah Ta'ala, it's not, okay, you know, why, how can I feel this displeasure, karaha, repugnance for sin that is greater than the outward, physical, apparent, worldly pleasure or benefit of that sin. The same concept, the same concept. That it has to be viewed not just as an act of sin, whether whatever it is, an act of lust, an act of greed. No, it has to be viewed as an act of disobedience, an act of betrayal, an act of rebellion against Allah SWT. Baghawa. That such a person is baghi. Hmm? An act of rebellion against Allah SWT. And that should be so shocking to a person. That should be so repugnant to a person. That how, how could I rebel against that being who brought me out of nothing and gave me everything and all the favors and bounties and blessings of this world and wants to bring me into absolute, eternal, infinite, endless, limitless bounties and favors and grace and love and belovedness forever. How can I disobey such a being? That would be rebellion. And this is the way to view sin. So sin should not be, although it definitely is an aspect of sin, but it should not only be viewed as indulging the nafs. That may be how it starts, so that's one level of analysis. But sin has to be viewed as absolute rebellion against the beautiful, all-merciful, all-gracious, all-generous, all-kind, eternally loving, eternally beloved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The outright rebellion. And that should be very displeasing to us. That should be very displeasing to us. And that's where it, you know, this is how it ties in with the first understanding of taqwa, of awe, fear, and awe, and reverence. And, and the value, the qadr, the value in our heart that we have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that there's nothing more worthy in our life than obedience. And there's nothing more unworthy for us to do nothing more shameless for us to do or if you want nothing more shameful for us to do than disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now there are sometimes obstacles to obedience things that keep us so this was the first part today was the motivation inspiration understanding of what it means to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the same time there are going to be forces factors in our life that try to prevent us from obeying Allah SWT. So we have to understand those forces also. And we have to fight a battle against those forces. So the first of those forces is, is simply ignorance. Not understanding what taqwa is, not understanding what obedience is, or even more basic ignorance, not even knowing the teachings of deen or the commandments of deen, not even knowing what is obedience and what is disobedience. Now sometimes, you know, for example, sometimes people ask ulama and muftis questions and sometimes a person is shocked that you really need to ask this question. And it's not ignorance in the sense they don't know. They don't realize. They haven't realized. You know? So for example, if somebody asks, oh, is it okay if I make tiyamum, if I find it awkward to make wudu with water? It's not that they don't know. They know. They're saying the words wudu and tiyamum. They know everything. But they haven't realized, they have no sense. They don't realize the import, the magnitude, the seriousness of what it means to submit and obey to Allah SWT. And it's this type of ignorance that is prevalent in us. It's this type of ignorance that is becoming more widespread. 
It's not that we don't know, we know, we have the knowledge, but we don't have the sense, the wisdom, the depth to understand how profound Deen is, how extremely important, uniquely important, extremely important Deen is. We just take it lightly, we take it lightly. A second obstacle to our obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is simply laziness weakness of faith or laziness in action so these are two things weakness in faith is all the articles of faith right? weakness in our tawakkul trust in Allah Ta'ala weakness in our yaqeen in Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala weakness in thinking about the day of judgment weakness in reflecting about death weakness in being scared of the punishments of Jahannam weakness in seeking and yearning and aspiring to Jannah all of this is weakness in Iman or and or laziness in good deeds hmm? sloth apathy disinterest lack of passion hmm? unable to do and this is this it's for this as a cure for this that the mashaikh used to prescribe you must do some extra to, to combat this laziness to fight this laziness and, and for many of us this laziness is really is you know it's at the root and core of our being for some of us, the laziness is like a default state of existence. And so for somebody like that, then yes, they have to fight every day. They'll have to make azgar every day, extra ibadat every day. They have to do it every day. Otherwise, they can't fight that laziness inside them. So the weakness in iman and the laziness in acts of worship or acts of virtue or acts of kindness. These are obstacles to obedience. The third obstacle to obedience is what in Arabic is called tule amal, or sometimes translated in English as long hopes. I mean, thinking I'll do it later, I have time. Uh, and you know, this isn't such a simple thing. This is a very, you know, very subtle, deeply ingrained flaw that we have. Some people even flip this and they, ha they reminisce like, oh, I wish I could go back 10 years. Oh, I wish I could have done things differently 20 years. That's even, that's absurd. That's nonsensical, right? Or think that, oh, what will I be doing in 5 years? Or what will I be doing in 10 years? Or even Tula Amal may simply also can just mean this, that conceiving of life, your life, our own individual life, as if we have a guaranteed lifespan of 80 years old. That's also Dula Amal. To just assume, take for granted, take as default that we're going to live the standard WHO life expectancy and live today as if it's not our last day. To live today as if it's not our last month. To live today as if it's not our last year. To live today as if it's not our last decade even. Hmm? That's also Dula That's a foolish way to live today. That's why these true, real Siddiqeen and Salihin, they used to be so busy. Whether they were busy in Dawah of Deen or they were busy in Ibadah, because they valued every day, because they didn't depend on the next month, let alone the next year, let alone the coming year, let alone the next year, the next decade. And the fourth thing, uh, and we'll just touch on this briefly, uh, the fourth obstacle to obedience is some type of illicit, impermissible thing, uh, a factor in our life. So it could be haram earning, 
could be haram eating, could be haram interacting, right? Illicit, impermissible, unlawful. Unlawful earning, unlawful eating, unlawful interacting. Something in our life, in the way we live our dunyavi life, in the way we live our worldly life, the way we interact with others, whether professionally, personally, family, the way we earn a living, the way we eat, the way we spend our money, something in that can be also a cause of disobedience. So very briefly then to recap, these were four obstacles to obedience. The first was ignorance. The second was weakness of faith or laziness in deeds. The third was long-term planning, long hopes. And the fourth was something unlawful and haram in the way we live our daily life. Means it repeats. It's a repeat, not a single act of sin. It's a haram feature. Inshallah ta'ala, next week we'll continue this topic. May Allah ta'ala grant each and every one of us the true deep understanding of taqwa. And may Allah Ta'ala convert that deep understanding to deep practice. And may He give us tawfiq to realize a lived life of taqwa and obedience. Wa akhirin da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbin